Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? It's so good. I hope you don't mind me keeping my hat on. My bald head is very cold today. So um, it's an absolute honour to be with you today. I feel like I've been here before because I've had the privilege of meeting team, some of the leaders, a youth leadership conference and a leaders meeting a while back uh, one evening. And I just love the authenticity. I love the realness of what's in this house. And you know, many, many years ago, 1994, when God led us to plant in the south of Adelaide, I remember one night I was in prayer and he said, don't ever forget the Mary Elizabeth principle. And I thought, what's that? He said, when Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, there was a leaping inside of Elizabeth's womb. And and I said to the Lord, what does that mean? And he said, when you join together with people that carry the will of God inside of them, there'll be a leaping in the womb. And every time I meet men and women of God that are not out there to become famous, it's not well done, good and famous servant, Uh, And so meet people that authentically love Jesus and they love people, uh, there's a leaping in the womb. Very first time I met with Dave, I felt like I had to repent and fall in love with Jesus all over again. Uh, Because it doesn't go far into the conversation and Dave's talking about Jesus and it's all about Jesus. And I'm definitely having the leap in the womb. Every time we get together, we've been driving in the car together not that long ago and God began to speak in the car and uh, I pulled out a video and showed him a prophetic word that a guy called Dave McCracken gave over my life and over Future Church and and I was sitting in the car with someone that's called by God to build that kind of church and so yesterday morning I went to prayer and I felt God showed me something and in many ways it's probably what you already know but he showed me before I go to the book of Joshua and speak out of my own life experience with the book of Joshua, I wanna just prophetically speak into what I see over this church. You see, God is calling this church to be at the forefront of the clarification and restoration of the church. I believe it with all my heart and I walked in here today and guess what they were praying for in the prayer meeting, that God is a God of restoration. The church, Big C Church, needs a lot of restoration. Big C Church needs a lot of clarification. And what this church is called to do, and I ask you to test what I'm saying, because in the New Testament, you need to test what prophetic words are. I believe this church is gonna be at the forefront of a revival of truth. A revival of prayer. I saw it yesterday morning in in prayer. And a revival to focus back on Jesus. A revival to bring the church back to Jesus. Not that long ago, I did a series of messages on, are you a churchian or are you a Christian? Because churchians are church goers, but Christians are Christ followers. And so I believe today, that God is doing a work of clarification and a work of restoration in His church. 
A few years ago, there was a, a reporter, a atheist reporter, who in America decided to ask the question, is Christianity dying? And so he interviewed over 50,000 people, not a Christian and didn't believe in God. He said, oh, I actually discovered three types of Christians. He said, the first group was a people who only go Easter and Christmas and they were born into a family called Christian. So they identify as Christian from any other religion. He said, the second group was a group of people that go maybe once a month and they sort of have, wanna raise their kids in a Christian environment and have this sort of uh, church is good for you. He said, both those groups are dying by the day, completely dying. And he thought the church was on the way out until he found another group of people. And in his research, a lot of Hispanic people in Los Angeles and found that these people, Christianity was their worldview. Christianity affected every area of their life. It directed their way they lived, the way they lived and the decisions they made. He said that group, it wasn't dying, it was actually growing. And as an atheist, he said this, I discovered that Christianity is not dying, it's just being clarified. It's just being clarified. And I believe, and I, I'm speaking generically, not about, about this church for a moment, but generically across what we call Big C Church, the Church of Jesus, unfortunately for a long time, we've had a different Jesus than the one in the Bible. We've had a Jesus that's caressed us, but we haven't allowed Him to correct us. We've had a Jesus that's loved us, but we haven't allowed Him to lead us. We've had a Jesus that's connected with us, but has never convicted us. We've had a Jesus that's given us a Bible as a devotional, but it's never become a non-negotiable. And the Word of God needs to be a non-negotiable in our lives. It's the final say. I have not got mentors in my life like a new generation can have right now. In my time, my elders would just release you and say, off you go. But I thank God for the greatest mentor of all, the Word of God that has mentored my life, the Holy Spirit and the direction from His Word. We've had a Jesus who has taught us how to dance, but hasn't taught us to take a stance. We've had a Jesus we've believed in, but not behaved like Him. We've had a Jesus of prosperity without any focus on eternity. And I, every day, live with the pain of 2016, seeing our 39-year-old son taken from this planet and went to heaven. If the religion or the belief system I've had during my life was all about prosperity defined as having nice things down here, the whole gospel now falls apart. But I'm so glad that as a young man I put into me the words of God individually to me, not through a podcast, nothing wrong, but we cannot do Jesus in the second person. We can only do Him in the first person. And in times of tragedy, in times of pain, every day something comes up 
after six years of losing our son and only yesterday my wife found a photo of me playing drums, believe it or not, I used to play drums. I played according to the Scriptures, never let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. But I, I was playing drums with my little boy sitting on my lap. My wife gives it to me and she goes, I'm sorry, because she knew I was gonna start crying. The pain doesn't go away. I live with a limp, I walk with a limp. And yet underlining all of that, the peace, the presence and the purpose of God does not leave our lives. And so today I'm so grateful that we're moving into a new era in the Kingdom of God and I prophesy that this church has a freshness on it. We need to guard this and we need to watch over it. We need to be careful of the enemy because there is a revival of truth. It's not just this church. God's raising up an army of churches, but it's gonna be a faceless revival. It's not gonna be built on superstars, but it's gonna be built on an incredible God that empowers ordinary people to believe in the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. And God is leading us into this new era of what I call victorious Christian living. It was early 90s that we were sent to the south of Adelaide by our spiritual dad who sent us down south. You know, when you just went, you may have ability, but when you sent, you have authority. And I was sent with the authority of covering to go and not just do a good thing, but to do a God thing. Good things start with us. God things start with Him. And I remember one day we were called Southside Christian Centre and God called us to start campuses in different places. And we thought, we can't have a south side in the west. It's not gonna make sense. And I said, God, give us something that prophesies who you've called us to be. And I was reading Joshua. And as I was reading Joshua in my devotional time, I get to Joshua 3, where God speaks to Joshua and says, get out from your position. For tomorrow, I'm gonna take you where you've never been before. And out of the page came this incredible sense that God wanted to do something new. He wanted to take us to places we'd never been before. I'd never seen a church renovate a hospital. I'd never seen a church transform a local high school. I'd never seen a church in my world, I'm sure they're out there, but in my world, that was spending more money on mission than just keeping Christians happy. And I thought, man, this is going where we've never been before. And then Joshua was told to stand at the edge of the Jordan, to get his feet wet and get ready to cross over to the promises of God that they hadn't seen before. And that was the day the name Edge Church was birthed in my heart because we're at the edge of something different. You know, churchians got upset. What a stupid name that is, Edge Church. What kind of church do you call Edge Church? And then we had a conference one time and one of the politicians that came to the conference said to me, I love your name. And I go, the church people hated it. The politician goes, I love your name because when you're out of space and you look down on the earth, the light is all around the edge. And I thought, God, you're causing the heathen to prophesy now <laughs> when the church doesn't. And so that's the beginning, I guess, of my journey with Joshua, but that was 25 years ago. And 25 years ago, and I've just got to stop and say, I've kept every message I've ever preached, not so that I can re-preach them, 
but so I can go back and say, did God really say? It's one thing when you're young looking ahead, God's gonna do this, God's gonna do that. But when you're 65 and you look back at what you prophesied was gonna happen, you can say, did it happen or didn't it happen? And 25 years ago, I started to study the book of Joshua and a journey began from there throughout the Scriptures where God gave me 10 promises. He said, by the time you hand the church over, these 10 things will happen. And at the crossing over of handing the church to another generation, I was able to sit down and tick off every one of those 10 promises. I remember crying over the notes and saying, God, you never told me my son was gonna die. You never told me another son was gonna break down and cause so much challenge in our lives and even judgment of our lives. You didn't tell me I was gonna have cancer. You didn't tell me I was gonna get it twice. And yet, everything you promised, you did. See, sometimes God won't promise you everything that's gonna happen in your life, but He knows everything that's gonna happen in our lives. And I remember one night I knelt by my bed and I was crying my eyes out over the loss of my son. And I said, God, God, I I don't understand, but I trust you. And inside my head came this little voice, but it was very loud. And I trust you. I thought, wow, God, you trust me. I know my brokenness. I know my flesh. Uh, Why would you bother uh, trusting a wog from Paynham, you know? Um, Why would you trust him? He said, because I knew you would finish your race. No matter what happens in your race, you will finish your race. And I know that I could trust you with pain. I made a decision that night. I, I felt so encouraged. I thought, God, you got me. God, I'm gonna trust you the rest of my life. I will trust your sovereignty when I don't have clarity. And there are some days I have no answers. There are some days I can't understand. And yet there's an underlining peace that is that that God is present and I'm still living out my purpose and not sitting home asking why, but knowing that in eternity, it will all make sense. But in the meantime, we've got to live out the promises that He gave us and have faith to walk out the journey. And in Joshua chapter one, 25 years ago, He gave me three things to live by both as a church corporately and as an individual. Before we go to Joshua 1 and give you these three areas this morning, I want you to know I'm speaking prophetically to this house, but also what God is saying to the church. I've gotta be honest, I wrote stuff 25 years ago and preached it soon as I got it, thinking that's what you should do and go home feeling depressed after a Sunday, thinking I don't think anybody understood that. Sometimes we can speak into what we are becoming, not, really, not realising when we're speaking it that we don't f- have the full picture. But now I go back and I could literally re-preach every message over the last 25 years and they, you would think they were written yesterday. They are for now. And you think, wow, God, you preach into our now, you speak into our now, but you also speak through us into our future. And one of the things about getting old I mean, some things are not good. My back goes out more than I do these days. And, you know, I'm, t- I'm really tired of sinking your teeth into an apple and they stay there. No, 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 I didn't say that. 
the little old lady I help across the street now is my wife and I thought, what happened there? <laughs> so some things about getting older, it's not good, you know? You know, yesterday my hips were hurting and I thought, oh, not another thing. I said to my wife last night, at least I can have a different praying every day and you can share it around, you know? But there's a good thing about getting older, you look back and you see what God said He would do and He did it. And I would take all morning to tell you the the miracles over buildings we couldn't afford. You know, one of the things if I can say to governance, people with great governance, is don't just make decisions out of reason, make them out of revelation. Because when we make them out of revelation, God will bring an activation of the miracle that needs to take place. And so 25 years ago, God took me to Joshua and we will get there. But over the last three or four months, there's been a clarity and we'll see why we see what we see in Joshua by preferencing, preferencing it with this. When I was a young kid, I grew up in the era that many call legalism. I grew up in an era where you had to obey the rules and I used to be scared of God as a kid. My father would preach out, he's a pastor, would preach out of Psalm 139. If you go to the bottom of the ocean, he'll find you there. If you go to the top of the mountain, I thought I'm running, but he still knows where I'm hiding and he's gonna send me to hell because I looked at that girl the other day the wrong way. I was 15, 14, 15. And had this legalistic religion that why bother with the cross when you just obey the rules? And there was the rules on how you dressed, what you wore in church. When I was growing up, the pastor had to wear a suit and had to have a tie on and certainly couldn't wear a hat in church. And so we had all the legalistic world that I grew up as a kid and I knew Jesus loved me, but nothing else made sense. And so we went from law that became legalism or the other way around, legalism that became law And then in the 70s, I saw an era of liberalism that we called grace and it became a license to do whatever you like because I'm saved by grace. And we took that to an extreme. And because of that, we've ended up with celebrity cultures, people serving churches without walking with Christ, people being Christmas trees rather than fruit trees. I remember one time, God showing me that if we were to put a Christmas tree on the stage and hang all the gifts on it and turn on all the lights, everybody will go, wow, look at that Christmas tree. But if I was to put a fruit tree in a pot up here with just a few oranges on it or whatever fruit, we go, oh, that's okay, it's just a fruit tree. And God is shaking all that can be shaken in the church right now so that we don't become celebrity churches that have become Christmas trees, but we become fruit trees of character that can sustain people through the fruit that we produce. That's the day I believe God is calling us into. And therefore, as I prophesy today, we've gone from law and legalism, from liberalism and license, And this church is part of a new move that's happening right now around the world and it's love and lordship. Love and lordship. You want a biblical word for it? Holiness. Holiness is not a set of rules. Holiness is a passion to serve Jesus. It's a willingness to want to, not have to. We're not part-time servants. We are love servants of Christ all our lives because of His love He leads us into Lordship. 
Lordship is freedom, not control. Lordship is bond. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then God puts you last. Doesn't work that way. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I've known a God through all the pain, through all the suffering. I've known a God that my life has been added to, not subtracted by making Jesus Lord. I sit in an office every Tuesday and right now in the last three months, I've led more people to Christ than I have all my life. Young couples coming in that don't know Jesus. Marriage busted up. One couple right now, it was over. There were other people involved. And to sit and see a restoration of a marriage because Jesus did it because of a revelation of the goodness of our God. I tell you, that's better than poking the eye with a blunt stick and I'm not retiring. I am not retiring because you can't retire from your purpose. And I'm so grateful to God. And so in Joshua chapter one here, we'll get there now. And I remember at the time, it was Joshua 1 through the New King James Version. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, you and all these people. Just underline that for a moment. You and all these people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel, even place the, everywhere they place your foot, you place your foot, you will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous, not just courageous, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. We won't read the rest. It's a whole chapter there. There are three be strongs from God to Joshua and there's one be strong by the people. It makes me laugh a bit because the people said, we're gonna follow you, Joshua, like we followed Moses. And last time I checked, they gave Moses a pretty hard time. I mean, they, they gave him such a headache. He had to go up on a, on a mountain and meet God and come down with a couple of tablets. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Those are such bad old jokes. You think, wow, we're gonna follow you like we followed Moses. Joshua would have freaked out at that point. Okay, that wasn't a really good thing. But any, any, anyway, they did follow. And so as I'm looking at Joshua 1, 25 years ago, I remember reading it as if it was the first time and I get to these words, to you and all these people. It doesn't say that in every version, but in the New King James that I was reading at the time, it said to you and all these people. And as clear as a bell, God said, I'm gonna deal with celebrity culture. 25 years ago, I'm gonna deal with superstars and everything happens around the hero. He spoke to me about raising up teams of people that were strong where I was weak that we could have a united team. Good morning, my name is Dave Shepherd. I'm part of the team here this morning. Because God doesn't want that superstar elevation approach. Under Pastor Moses, Pastor Moses had to fix everything, but it didn't make the people any happier. 
one miracle after another and they wanna kill him because they're asking one man, we have to redefine the role of a pastor because the pastor's not just there to visit everyone. I remember saying at Edge Church at one stage of our growth, if I visit every one of you, I'll be visiting you once every seven years because the amount of people you'd have to visit. And yet our heart is shepherd. Our heart is shepherd. Oh, Dave Shepherd, of course. I mean, uh, there you go. And you are a shepherd. And our heart is to shepherd, but we've got to have not the clergy and the laity difference, but it has to be to you, Joshua, and all these people where we all find our God shape. God did not put us on the planet to vegetate and just celebrate. He's put us on the planet to operate in our God shape. We are all born with a God shape. And if every Christian was to operate in their God shape, we wouldn't even have to have staff. We wouldn't have to have home groups called home groups because Christians would be busily ministering to one another and pastoral care would be organic. If there's anything a new generation is looking for right now is organic church, not come to this program. Discipleship is seven o'clock Tuesday night. That's a part of discipleship. But discipleship is proximity and doing life with people and doing Jesus with people. And God is changing how we look at the priesthood of the believer, unlocking people into their God shape, not elevating people to become superstars. So there are three be strongs and we're gonna look at them. The first one is be strong in your direction. I believe the church has lost its direction. I've been part of a charismatic side of the kingdom where bums on seats is more important than spiritual growth where how many people turn up? How many did you have on Sunday? You see, what we celebrate, then people will want to um, follow and emulate. And there's a new generation thinking, unless it's big, unless there's lots of lights, unless there's lots of smoke, unless the pastors are wearing jeans with holes in them, nothing, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying we, we have this outward. I know you're okay this morning. And the church in, at large has lost its direction And he says, be courageous for you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. The book of Joshua is about Christians living in victory, not Canaan land when we die. You see, my confession this morning is I grew up, I'm a bit older than some of you when the Gaithers were popular. Some of you don't even know who they are. They're gospel, all they sing is about Canaan land. One day we're all going to Canaan land. And the fact is we are, and I'm glad we are. I've got a son waiting for us in eternity. I am so grateful for eternity. But the book of Joshua is not sit and wait and wait for Canaan land, but it's live in victory today in walking with Jesus with very clear direction. And so God is restoring the direction. Leadership in God's church for a few years has lost its sense of direction, even though we've had leadership teaching. Now, please, I'm not wanting to be negative this morning, but I'm being prophetic overview, right? And I'm saying if we've had 25 years of teaching on leadership in the charismatic Pentecostal world that I come from, you go to this leadership conference to break the 200 barrier, to break the 600 barrier, and we're gonna go and learn leadership. And the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart a few months ago that in our pursuit of leadership, we've lost lordship. 
In our pursuit of leadership, we've lost lordship. We've taken the culture of Babylon and brought it into the church instead of being God's people of praise, Judah, taking the culture of Judah into Babylon. Daniel chapter one, 17 years of age, taken out of Judah and brought into Babylon. And he changed Babylon, Babylon didn't change him. He ate of basic vegetables. Yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord, gives me a break. Some people call me Turbo Teeth. My wife hasn't spoken to me for three years. She didn't want to interrupt me. So, you know, um, it gets a bit like that sometimes. We've taken the culture of Babylon and brought it into the church instead of the culture of Judah. Remember Daniel and his mates said, we will only eat vegetables. We'll only eat just some fresh stuff. I mean, that'll be really in now, you know. <laughs> They'd be on some of those shows now on TV on healthy living but wouldn't eat the food of Babylon. And the Bible says that Daniel was healthy, strong and good looking. And I prophesy today that God's raising up a church that's healthy, that is strong and that is good looking to a world that's looking for the real Jesus because we're bringing the basics of the Gospel, just vegetables, but boy, very sustaining. And that's the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the love of Jesus back to the real platform. For the church, come on. So we've taken the culture of Babylon and brought it into the church. And I remember God speaking to me. He said, be very careful in your direction. A purpose-driven church, according to the direction. Now for me personally, God gave me a life message. He said, I want you to build everything according to the pattern. In 1994, God said, the Bible is not a devotional only. It's a pattern. And if you do everything according to the pattern, you will never lose your direction. And I thank God that that has happened in my life with all the challenges and disappointments and things could have been better in many situations and you learn in hindsight. But I have no, no concern that we moved away from the pattern of God's Word. I remember one day I said to God, how do I judge my success? Is it how many campuses we plant? How big is the church? How do I judge from your perspective? Because from God's perspective, there's only one definition of success. It's called obedience. Obedience is success. So when He told me to hand the church over, I did. I didn't have to, but I did because obedience is success. And I was at Marion Shopping Centre. And I remember just walking through the shopping centre and just this scripture that I'd read earlier in Galatians 4:19, where Paul says, I groan as a woman about to give birth until Christ is fully formed in you. And he said to me, the pattern I want for you is to teach in a way that Christ is fully formed in people. When Christ is fully formed in people, that's how I see success. So be strong in your direction. And it says there in verse six, I think it is, uh, where he tells Joshua, you know, take these people to the place of promise. And I believe that God is saying to the church, we need to be clear in our direction. Every conversation I have with Pastor Dave, I know the direction is authentic. I know it's real and I think it's from our absolute love of Jesus and it's refreshing because that's not around today as much as it should be. So thank you for being part of this team because let me tell you, it's the beginning of God raising up teams that other people didn't even know existed because God will not move where there is pride. He will only move where there is humility. 
And I thank God for the humility. And so what is the direction? What is the direction? Be strong in taking these people to the place of purpose. That's the direction is the great commandment and the great commission. This church is committed to that. I'm just putting words to some of this. In Matthew 22, 34, which says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul. You know, you know the great commission and love your neighbour as yourself. I remember praying over that earlier this year and God says, love the Lord thy God is about getting back to spirituality. We've got to become spiritual again as a church. We're not the local Rotary Club. We're not just a gathering of people just to connect. We're called to be spiritual by loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind. I love the teaching gift on Pastor Dave's life. Why? Because I think he's awesome. Yeah, well, I do. But more than that, it's because it's the Word that changes our lives, not just a nice talk. The other day I was driving in the car and the Lord said to my, and when it's the Lord, it's something smarter than I can think of that comes into my head. And I'm driving in the car. He says, the Word does its own work. Wow. The Word does its own work. We bring the Word and the Word does its work. And so thank you for being a church that's committed to the teaching of the Word. Love the Lord thy God is spirituality. Love your neighbour as yourself is ministry. In my world, or Pastor Danny, I've got a ministry, nobody recognises it. Go love your neighbour. Love your neighbour as yourself. And this is just as important as the first commandment. Man, if we were to love the people in our street, I, I, I'm in a great church, but I watch people line up for coffee after church on a Sunday and they don't even talk to each other. They just hurry up, I've got to get my coffee. Well, we're not gathering to get a cheap coffee. We're gathering to do life together. And if we can't love one another and notice someone crying and notice someone needs an arm around them, that is ministry. I do more of that now than I've ever done in running an organised church. I said to someone the other day, they said, what's it like not pastoring a church? I said, I'm a better Christian. I'm a better husband. I'm a better granddad. I'm a better friend. Just simply because the most important things are now in my life that are important from God. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Spirituality. Love your neighbour as yourself, which is ministry. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Make disciples of all nations. It's bringing Jesus to our community. I'm not saying this as a boast this morning, but our son Michael, who was so broken and so ripped apart through deception, sexual addiction and a whole lot of things that many of you know his story. And yet to watch the restoring hand of Jesus over a 10 year period restore his life and then be called out of comfortable church life, paid by the church to go to Port Adelaide and start a outreach to the Indigenous people of Port Adelaide, the broken and the hurting that are living on the streets and living in commission homes, not getting enough food. Right now, as I talk to you, he's feeding over 1,500 people a week. Hello Fresh, give him thousands, up to 40,000 at a time, dollars worth of food to feed the poor. Balfour's in Adelaide have said, you can have all the cakes you want. You can have all the food you want for free. People being given a massive warehouse for free for seven years. And the local community say, where have you been? And on Friday night, I cried my eyes out. Yeah, come on, give God praise, it's God's glory. <laughs> on Friday, 
night, he said, Dad, will you speak for a few minutes? We're gonna have the room full of unchurched, broken people. One guy lives on a boat with his dog and he comes in with his dog in his arms and he's sitting there, never been in community before. He's afraid of crowds. And yet walks in and he goes, I don't feel judged here. And people coming in off the street, broken, a guy just released from jail. And you know, on Friday morning, he said, Dad, will you speak Friday night on just something on your heart? Friday morning, I wake up with Psalm 139. Wherever I go, the bottom of the ocean, where I go to the top of the mountain. I mentioned it earlier before, my dad used to preach on it, but that was God getting you. But that was God's love reaching us when you read Psalm 139. And as I'm getting these thoughts about God loving broken people, no matter what their journey's been like, Michael gets up to sing and he starts singing. If I go to the top of the mountain, if I go to the bottom of the ocean, I'm on the front row, bawling my eyes out. We don't have lights and smoke. It's just an old warehouse with heaters blowing everywhere. You can hardly hear anybody speak, children running around. It's pretty organic. There's over 80 people there, most of them non-Christians. And I get up to speak on the very song that he sang. I said, where did you get that song? He said, I just wrote it yesterday. And so at the end of the meeting, I said, you know, some of you people have been on a journey of mental health issues. Is there a God that knew me when those mental health issues came about? Was God there when my husband left me or my wife left me? And I said, you know, you might be visiting for the first time. I didn't say bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this prayer after me. I said, tonight you probably just need a hug from me and a hug from Jesus. And people got up out of their seats. One Greek guy who's had some challenges in his life comes and just hugs me and wouldn't let me go crying on my shoulder. Another lady comes up, she goes, I've never been to anything religious before. She goes, but my week has been so crappy. And she goes, my life is a mess and I have no peace. And tonight was the first time sitting in this place and peace came all over me. We're coming back, we're coming back. One of my relatives, very close relative. I'm in church last Sunday. I get a phone message and it's, my, it's one of my relatives. I run outside because they're not Christians and I thought something's wrong and she's screaming on the phone. One of our relatives tried to take his life on Sunday. I left church, jumped in the car, went straight down there. That young man was sitting with me Friday night, head in his hands, tears. Go, you just described my life. Is there hope for me? I'm seeing him this week to show him that in Jesus there is hope. Friends, that's something that doesn't matter how big our church gets, doesn't not have to be that. It has to be there because of the authenticity of bringing disciples, making disciples of all nations one by one by bringing Jesus to our community and teach them these new disciples to obey all commands that I've given you is proximity. So that's what God is calling the church to, spirituality, ministry, community, and proximity to discipleship. That was the be strong that God gave me 25 years ago, that be strong. But now I'm seeing the fruit of not veering from the be strong. 
And I just wanna prophesy, Dave, that God is putting be strongs inside of you. You're not just going through the book of Joshua because it's a nice thing to do. You and your wife and family, God is gonna give you some be strongs in your direction. You're gonna make changes that are not just changes for change sake, but you're gonna make changes for kingdom's sake. Not everybody will understand. Be strong in your direction. Number two, be strong in your devotion. He says, don't let this word depart from your mouth day and night. I can honestly say to you, every time I sit with your pastor, we don't talk about the latest trend. We don't talk about how to grow the church. We don't talk about what's the key to this and the key to that. We talk about the word. What is God saying? Sometimes we finish each other's sentences out of what we're seeing in the word. It does my heart good as an older man to see a younger generation that's not just caught up in the image, but we're being conformed to His image and becoming a people that are strong in our direction and too strong in our devotion. The Centre for Bible Engagement. It was a survey of 40,000 people on Bible reading. People that read the Bible once a week, it had no effect on their lives. Those that read it twice a week, no effect on their lives. Those that read it three times a week, no effect. Four times a week, everything changed. Everything changed. Loneliness dropped 30%. Anger dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60% by reading the Bible four times a week. Pornography dropped 61%. Sharing of faith increased 200%. And discipling others increased 230%. I have about six young men that have come from different backgrounds. Some have just come off ice addiction. One of them rang me the other day and he says, every time I go to my phone and read the Bible in the Gospels, it turns red. (laughs) Why does it turn red? I said, because they're the words of Jesus. I won't tell you his response, but he goes, oop, it dropped one. He goes, I didn't know that. I was getting really annoyed. So I said, so why don't you and I get together every week and we'll go through the words of Jesus. I got him a journal. He writes what he gets out of the words of Jesus. I write what I get out of the words of Jesus and we compare notes every two weeks. He's now bringing his friends to church, five of them today back at church. Friday night, he brought about 11 of them. He works on a building site with people that have been released from prison that are working on building sites and he's just reaching out. He's been getting together with them and giving them the words of Jesus. I tell you what, that authentic kind of Christianity Helps you not deal with politics in church world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm nearly done, but the Word of God has protected me. It's patterned for me how to live. It's promised me things that I've seen come to pass because it's prophesied to me and it's proven itself for me. Every Friday I meet with six unchurch business people. The language is pretty rough and we have lunch together. And they talk about the world and now the world's gonna fall apart because Labour got in and you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> is, is the injection, the, the, the uh, COVID injection, the mark of the beast? 
sadly, they're hearing from upset Christians that don't know their Bibles properly. And I have to sit there and find Scriptures and get them to read them. You go, what do you think this means? You read it. And they read it and go, we didn't know that was in the Bible. They ring me every Friday morning. Are you coming today? Totally unchurched people. Do you know what works? My story, not my theory. Can I show you how the Bible's worked for me? Can I show you why it's protected me? Can I show you why I still believe in it when my son gets killed by a lightning strike? Because they say to me, how can you still believe in God after that? And I showed them how the Bible's worked for me, what it's promised me, what it's spoken to me and proven to me. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Do I need to stop now? Is this about the time? Another five minutes? Okay. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Can I say this? If we don't walk with Jesus personally, we'll never walk with the church purposely. Because every one of us has to have an it is written. When Jesus is attacked by the enemy at the beginning of his ministry life, he didn't say, well, I think you should, I'm thinking of this, maybe I'll consider, it is written. And I wanna say without being super spiro or being, look at me, how great I am. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I wanna say this today. I've had all my life and it is written. So when the enemy comes, you can say it is written because the Word does its own work. And so be strong in our devotion. Be very strong. And this church is committed to that. And the last one is to be strong in our determination. We will be attacked. Just because we're doing God's will doesn't mean we won't be attacked. Some of the nastiest letters I've received. When my son hit the wall, the nastiest letters I received were from Christians. This is because you put too much pressure on him as a father. You set him up to be a super. I mean, the stuff I would just sit there and weep and go, they don't know me. These people are writing letters to me. They don't know me because I didn't do any of those things, but I still felt I was failing as a father. And then when you get letters from so-called Christians, it doesn't help. But I'm thankful that I had an it is written. Do you know there were seven nations that had to be dealt with in order to take possession of the land? The other day I went and looked up the meaning of those seven nations and it's everything we're dealing with right now through COVID and everything else. And I thought, wow, we wanna live victorious Christian lives, but we don't wanna deal with the nations that are trying to oppose us. The Hittites is about fear and discouragement. I don't need to tell you, we've had a lot of fear and discouragement and negative talk. The Amorites was about the power of the tongue. James talked about how the tongue can delight, direct or destroy. And I'm going through this quickly. You go and research it. Go to Dr. Google. And uh, Dr. Google, not Google Moochie, but Dr. Google, <laughs> Hittite, the fear and discouragement, the Amorites' power of the tongue, the Canaanite spirit of merchandising, greed and lust for material things. So many people that are churchians, but Jesus comes seventh. Seek ye tenth the kingdom of God. Anyway, thank you. Musicians can come back because that'll make it look like I'm gonna stop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I am gonna stop. The Hivites, vain thinking and being disillusioned with worldly thinking. The Perizzites, careless and false security and being left unprotected in our lives because of the world's influence. 
the Girgashites, danger of backsliding because of the temptation and pull of the world. The Jebusites, pride and elevation that brings condemnation to people that are not where your level is. We've seen all that in the church. In the church I've been in and around, I've seen all those nations. They represent an attitude. They represent a spirit. In closing today, a man called Floyd McClung. I'm not speaking in tongues, that was his name, Floyd McClung, who helped to start Youth with a Mission. He passed away last year. But 40 years ago, wrote a book called Holiness and the Spirit of the Age. And he mentioned the spirits that were gonna come into the world that would even influence the church. Number one, the good life gospel. Getting everything we want from the gospel. It's a feel good gospel. No suffering. God's not in the suffering. He's only in to bless me and give me what I want. Individualism personal comfort over serving others. Consumerism, success is determined by possessions. Pluralisation, there are no moral absolutes. We have to have multiple choices. And secularisation, shoving God out of the centre, He must fit in with us. 40 years ago, 40 years ago, and we're in it today. As I close today, it's time for the church to be clarified, sanctified, so Jesus can be glorified. Let's be strong in our direction, Joshua 1. Let's be strong in our devotion and let's be strong in our determination. Father, I pray as we close today that this house will be, even on a Sunday, a place where number one, You are glorified. Let this be a place where You are glorified, where Your Word is clarified so that our walk with You will be intensified. That's my prayer today for this house because I know the seeds of all that are here and it's also being activated, but there's many more that You're gonna bring in because they're sick of the plastic. They're sick of that which isn't real. And so Father, I thank You for the authenticity of this house. I thank You for the revival of truth that's gonna flow from this house, God. I thank You for the revival of prayer. I really do thank You for that. And oh my goodness, as I'm praying now, I just feel God saying, God is gonna call this house to spearhead a spirit of unity in the city. And there's gonna be people from different abominations, I mean denominations, that God is gonna pull out and start to build kingdom, not our names. And this house is called to build kingdom. And He's calling you to be a spearhead. Even the prayer meetings that are held in the city, wherever they held at table, that's just the start of a spirit that God wants in our city. And I see a spiritual eldership arise in the city that's not known by its labels because our labels will become Babels. But Father, we wanna be known by the Name of Jesus that we serve and live. Father, I prophesy and pray right now, help this church to be strong in its direction. Help it to be strong in its devotion and never veer from it and be strong in its determination. 
let the anointing of Joshua come over this house, that Joshua was the only one at 110 who said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But let this entire community say that. Let it not just be one family, but let it be every family that declares Your Name. We thank You for that in Jesus' Name. Just while every head's bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna have an altar call. I just want God to alter your call. And uh, while every head's bowed, there's been a number of people here and I've been through it too, where you've lost a level of trust in the institution called the church. You've had disappointments. You haven't been treated always well. Some of you have come from other places to this place because you're looking for a safe place. And if that's you, while every head's bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray something over you because God wants to repair, He wants to restore. It was prayed for in the prayer meeting this morning and I had it in my own, my own notes. God wants to restore your trust in Jesus and that you don't have to go from disappointment to disappointment, but you can go from here, from a God appointment to a God appointment. And while every head's bowed, if that's been your journey, if you feel comfortable, please slip up your hand. I'll see. I'm not going to single you out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many hands. Thank you. I respect you as family today. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, I pray for these amazing people that Lord are still here today because in their heart, they want to follow you. They don't want all that other stuff. They want to follow you. Will you witness in their hearts today that they're in the right place? Will you witness in their heart today that they're not gonna be used and abused, but they're gonna be set free to be who God intended them to be? And I pray for protection around these people and Father, for a coming home and a restoration in their lives, I pray in Jesus' Name. If you don't know Jesus today, you've never met Him. It's not about just saying a few words, it's about a genuine understanding of who He is and then connecting with Him and inviting Him into your life. And if that's you, please come and talk to us after the service. I'm hanging around, come and talk and love to take you the next step to find out who Jesus is, because He's very real. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the Gospel, You can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.